Hello, everyone. Welcome to the stream today. We're going to be talking about gentrification. If you haven't heard this word before, don't worry, we'll go through it all. I'll give you some examples from around the world, and I would love to hear some of your examples as well. Um, come say hi in the chat. Let me know where you're from. And throughout the stream, if you have any questions about vocabulary or just some comments to make, uh, please feel free to share with all of us. All right, so um, as I said, my name's Emily and I'm from Canada, lived in the UK, and I am currently streaming to you from the Dominican Republic. Great, all right, let's get started. So gentrification, what is this? So it's a process of changing the character of a neighborhood through the influx, increase, of more affluent, wealthy uh, residents and businesses. And it's quite a charged word, meaning that um, it makes people feel, feel very emotional, upset, angry, or excited if they're on the side where they're going to be making money and opening a new business um, or developing the city. So it is a very complex topic. Um, and it originates from the word gentry, which in English means kind of the upper class, almost aristocratic um, part of society and uh, that's from England that word and basically what happens is a poor area of the city has lots of people move in they start changing it and this comes with an increase in values so let's go through um, some more of the terminology and then we'll do some examples so in the chat we have Mamin from France, Boduk from Ukraine, Annika from the Netherlands living in Scotland awesome welcome Good to see you guys here. Uh, so sometimes um, developers or local authorities, municipalities, governments um, will use different words, of course, because the word gentrification, as I said, is a very charged word for people. And so you might hear other terms in the media. Um, likely this is in your own language too. They would be using different words such as revitalized, disruption, progress, neighborhood change, renewal, renovation, or mass scale demographic change, um, which is quite a strong, um, a strong way to say it. So as I said, uh, those parties involved with making uh, development in a city might tend to avoid the word gentrification. Um, let me know in the chat if you know of any other words that you've seen in your city when uh, there's new developments going on. Okay, let's go through a couple more words to talk about um, parts of the town which might be poorer or with less opportunities. So the first one is deprived. So this means um, it's suffering from a severe lack of basic facilities. This will vary from country to country for what would be considered uh, basic facilities. Um, but that is generally a term which we would use around the world. Okay, so the next vocab is priced out of. So when people say, I've been priced out of a community, it means that the prices have gone up so much that they are now dislocated or disjointed from reality and from the incomes in that community. So a certain group will be driven away. So, uh, 
I think in many cities around the world, we're starting to see these kind of tent cities like in the image pop up where people don't have anywhere else to go. And so they um, must go to tents or in some countries you'll have kind of slums as well. So that might be, um, yeah, various building parts, but usually they would have limited electricity, water, things like this, um, which would be part of the basic facilities. Okay, next vocab, run down. So this means that a building or an area has fallen into disrepair, it's neglected, um, and maybe it was once prosperous. So for example, this image is from um, a neighborhood in England where the buildings themselves look pretty decent, but they just haven't been kept up. Uh, the maintenance has not been done and it's now become um, an area which could actually be risky. So this is the type of place which might attract crime, um, squatters, which are people who move in and um, aren't paying any rent or anything, and they might destroy the property and community even further. Um, so that is run down. To uproot. So plants have roots which are in the ground, and when you uproot someone, you literally take them from their familiar surroundings or their home. So this is how you would describe what happens to the communities um, who have to move on to a new place. Another way to describe it would be displacement. So to displace is to take over the position of someone. So in the image, we have um, a sign here which says gentrification displaces low-income residents. Okay. And so Bodak is asking about, is this process positive? Won't life get worse later? Great question. Um, we're going to go through the process a bit more, and we will talk about some of the positive outcomes that come from this. Um, so as all things in life, it's not black and white uh, or many things. And so we're gonna look at it from the perspective of different parties involved. Okay, so a few examples now. The first one is Palermo, a neighborhood in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And this was a very um, kind of classic family district and it's become a tourist attraction. It's seen as kind of the home of tango and um, it's also close to, I think the football stadium. And so it's really just become a place where people like to walk around, look at the colorful buildings. Um, there's a lot more tourist shops. And also um, since it's popular with tourists, uh, short, um, short-term housing, things like Airbnb um, or hostels have really increased. And so the values have gone up so much that uh, people have had to leave the neighborhood um, because with this displacement, there wasn't new social housing built, let's say, or other, um, other ways to keep the community in place. Another example some of you may be familiar with is Berlin in Germany. So for a long time, it's been, um, it was very run down a lot of the city. Uh, prices were very, very cheap. And what happened is it started to become seen as a really cool place. There's a lot of music, culture. Um, and so people started to move in, the young people, as this was a cool place they wanted to be. 
Um, it then became more of like a popular international tech hub. And so that means that you have more people coming in with higher salaries who then start to displace the other people. Um, one thing they've done in Berlin to try to um, alleviate the stress from the, for the local community is to put rent caps in place. So they say the rent for this cannot be higher than this. However, that has had an unintended consequence. Uh, what happens is that some people are renting a few apartments at this lower cap, and then they are just uh, putting it on Airbnb or something like that anyways. Um, and so they're able to do this because the city hasn't really kept up with new technology well enough to give fines. Uh, the city has put limits on the number of days that you can rent out an apartment, but they're they're not really managing this well. Um, and so they need to crack down um, or be more um, severe with landlords who aren't following the rules. So even though it comes from a good place, rent caps, it often doesn't have good outcomes for the people. Okay. And the last one, which I visited recently, was Casco Antiguo in Panama. Um, so I took this picture in one of the squares in this old town, which is beautiful. Um, and it's been in the process of change over the last 10 years. And what's really strange is that you'll have a beautifully renovated building next to a building in complete disrepair because the owners have purchased this building and they're just waiting for the market to come around to do a new development. So when it's in this process of gentrification, uh, people might've been evicted as they have, um, there's someone who's purchased this for development, but actually the building's not even being put to use. So um, you have deterioration beside uh, beautiful buildings. It's a very strange, strange place. And when buildings are developed, um, it's mostly local developers, but the benefits aren't being shared. So the government would be taking some money from this and it's not being put back into the community. Um, so I think um, issues of corruption around real estate development are rampant or very obvious around the world. Okay. So here's a little cartoon just showing you, you know, often, often these industrial areas which have really nice high uh, floor to ceiling height and they're in kind of a cool area that might become artsy. Um, so you see it goes from industry to studios to creativity hub. Um, and finally, it's converted to a bohemian apartment. So this might be kind of the life cycle of what it looks like when an, an area is being gentrified. Okay. Some other ways that you might um, notice there's gentrification is uh, if you start to see words like artisanal, so like kind of artsy, uh, long descriptions like in the comic here, um, telling you where the product is from and kind of a very romanticized description um, associated with high prices. These are some of the, um, the indications you'd see. So maybe in a community before there was a guy selling ice cream and now it's turned into an artisanal gelato shop, <laughs> um, something like that. So I'm curious to know 
have you experienced gentrification in your city? So not necessarily that you've been displaced, but you've seen it happen in a particular neighborhood. Like I say, this is usually the, maybe like the industrial kind of area, sort of the area that's where creatives would live. So artists, um, let's see, yeah. People who maybe couldn't normally afford to live in other parts of the city, they might come here and then now it's become attractive to um, what could be called yuppies. I don't know if you've heard that before. It stands for young urban professionals. So yuppies are people who uh, are young, looking for something kind of trendy and cool. Uh, they have higher salaries, but not maybe not high enough to live in the fancy neighborhoods. Okay, so a couple of you are saying yes. And I would like to know if you can give any specific examples. So let me know in your country or in places you visited. Um, like I gave the example of Casco Antigua in, in Panama. What are some other examples? Um, some I've come across uh, looking, looking this up um, would include places like Amsterdam, which of course is highly touristic. And so that's pushed some people outside of the center. Um, the UK, uh, many cities have a really long housing list. Um, there's not enough affordable housing. Much of it has been converted to uh, private housing. Lisbon, particularly in the last five years, um, has become a lot more popular, especially places like this, um, people who have remote jobs or flexible jobs are going to these lower cost areas with their high salaries and they're starting to change the community. Um, and one of, the, one of the big examples that I've seen in the news recently is Mexico City. So during the pandemic, Mexico was one of the countries which didn't really close its borders. Um, tourism is so important to their economy that they made the decision to remain pretty much open. And what happened is a lot of people who had uh, newly remote jobs um, because they were told to work from home decided to go to Mexico where it's cheaper, warmer, great food too. Um, but what happened is all these remote workers were coming a lot from, from Canada and the US, also Europe, and they started to rent a lot of the apartments um, shops and restaurants would pop up that appeal to them, so more expensive. And yes, yeah, so you see this pretty much, it's a global phenomenon um, or something, global occurrence that you will see. Okay, so no examples yet, but don't worry, if you have some, please just put it in the chat. <laughs> Great. I would like to know, um, you know, cities do change. I think it's natural. For example, London was once a Roman town. Um, and over time, it went from Londinium to now London. There's actually parts of London where you can see um, the old Roman roads. Or when you're on a road that's been built on top, they'll have a special little sign that says, you know, this was one of the Roman roads. So you know, humans, we've been moving around for millennia, and I don't think we're going to stop anytime, but um, change, is, change is difficult, especially 
when it's on your doorstep, when it's your home, and when you have uh, limited resources maybe to deal with that change. Okay, so everyone agrees, great. <laughs> I think it's true, it's, it's um, you know, we've invented it, the city is a meeting place and our needs change over time. And so the city changes over time. Um, I think a good example of this, which I'll talk about a bit in my next stream is the purpose of the office, for example. You know, now that there is so much remote work, um, even if people are in a situation where it's hybrid, so 50% office, 50% home, something like that, um, the purpose of the office has changed. People are looking for different things. Companies might need less space. So what is the impact on the city then? Um, does some of that office space become residential? Does it become community space? Like, you know, when things are no longer necessary, given our way of life and our population, then it kind of needs to change. <laughs> Otherwise, we will remain stagnant. So when we're talking back about gentrification, there's various peoples involved. So there's the buyers and sellers of real estate. Um, there's new shops and restaurants moving in and the local authorities. Um, so these are the people who kind of make gentrification happen. Um, these new shops will tend to be kind of trendy cafes, fancy bars, uh, something that will attract tourists and wealthy clients, a modern consumer. And the local authorities, they are really the ones in charge here. Of course, money is a big driving force uh, for governments and the world, but it is up to them to take the funds from this development, from the increase in property values and taxes and redirect this into social sectors. Um, doesn't always happen. It's called corruption, <laughs> happens around the world. Um, but if done right, I think that there can be benefits for the community. Okay. So we have Tara in the chat now and Maestro from Ukraine, welcome. All right. So Borek was asking a bit about this process. Um, we're not quite into the positive <laughs> sides of it yet, but I'll explain a bit more about how it happens. Um, so the landscape change, that means that maybe um, something is no longer useful. So like I said, in industrial area, there's not as much industry going on. The building falls into disrepair, it's boarded up, it becomes cheap. Um, a developer comes and buys it, does a development that's nice, new and fancy, attracts some people with money. Um, the community, since prices are going up, more developers come and purchase neighboring buildings for redevelopment. And the neighborhood, um, the social class of the neighborhood rises in on, on, on average. Um, and so more capital or money continues to follow. And it's, it's a cycle like this. Sometimes what also happens, of course, is that the people who are displaced then go on to displace other people. <laughs> so the example of Mexico City I gave, some of these people might be those who can no longer afford to live in cities in the US and Canada. And so they decide to go to another country. Maybe they are still working, maybe they're retired, uh, but because they are displaced, um, priced out of their neighborhood, they then go and do that to other people. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle in this way, uh, people looking to improve their quality of life um, sometimes has the side effect of negatively impacting others. 
So <clears throat> what do you think would be a positive aspect of this? So Bodak asked, can this be positive? Um, okay, so these abandoned areas, so areas that are all boarded up like I had in the pictures earlier are given life. Um, there's improved services for the community. So of course this depends on the government putting the money into the services. It builds wealth. So for the people who are owners in these communities, they're able to sell to developers or if they still have an apartment, they're able to make more money off of rent, which can have a huge impact for their family. Maybe they can now afford to send their kids to university. They're able to do some sort of training to improve their own life. So it can build wealth, but for owners. Um, new shops and businesses come. So there's new opportunities for commerce. Um, people have the chance to be an entrepreneur and sell to an, a, a new client or the higher values and rents for owners, which is kind of linked to the building wealth. So I think people say building wealth. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the idea is basically, you know, it's great when we build wealth, but if all of that is just going to the owner and the government, which might be siphoning off or taking some of that wealth without putting the appropriate amount back into the community, that's when people get upset. Okay. And what do you think is the most negative aspect that we've talked about? So the excessive prices, whether that's values or rents, um, residents being pushed out of their communities, too much tourism. So I think a good example of this um, is Barcelona. They, um, in some areas, there's been such a backlash against so many tourists coming that there's been tour buses that had their tires slashed or cut. There's graffiti telling the tourists to leave. So it takes, a, even though it's an important part of their economy, um, the local people are still upset and they see these newcomers as having an overall negative impact. Or neighborhoods losing their identity. So maybe this was a really cool artist neighborhood where painters, musicians could live um, at affordable rents. And so that translated into a really vibrant place uh, maybe there's cafes and bars where you'd have the local artists able to uh, able to come and live in the community. So maybe you're going to lose the identity of the place that it was. Um, cool. So, Bodak saying in the chat, in my country, everything is closed. Um, but with the help of Westerns, many things can change for the better. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully with investment, um, the Ukraine will be able to come back stronger than ever. <laughs> and Teresa saying hello from Slovakia. Mimin saying in French, we call such neighborhoods Bobo. So tell me what that stands for. Maybe like Bohem Bohemia or Bohemi, like Bohemian and something else. I think maybe I've heard this before, but I can't remember what that would stand for. Let us know in the chat. Okay. So let's see. Yes, Bohem. 
exactly. Okay. So, yeah, bohemian but rich. Yeah, I think originally bohemian, that word was referring to a, a social group that was more artsy and maybe even a little bit lower income, but the word has kind of changed to mean uh, something a little bit different, especially if you hear it as like boho chic or something like that. It usually means people who kind of appear to be artsy, but actually have high incomes. So the word has changed a bit in its meaning over time. And hello, Jenny from Dubai. Cool. So everyone's, um, or most people have said residents being pushed out or neighborhoods losing the identity. Yeah. It's particularly sad when it's a tourist area that just gets filled with all of these tourist shops selling little trinkets, like little things, um, cafes with not great food, just catering to tourists. That's, um, that's definitely a risk for neighborhoods. So what can we do? Um, try to keep residents in the community. Um, we can look at residential zoning laws. So that could be preventing uh, short-term lets. Tax vacant properties, so they don't just sit there empty while developers are waiting for the market to change. Um, it's better to have buildings occupied to have a vibrant community. You might be able to organize residents so that they could buy properties together and um, live in sort of a cooperative situation. And I think one of the key ones is um, for the governments to use the taxes they receive from this increase in values um, for social housing, uh, public housing, you could call it. Cool. And what about individuals? So what can you do as an individual? Um, the people who are gonna be most vulnerable in this case would be persons of color, people who are above 25 without an um, advanced degree, renters, of course, they're not gonna be able to make uh, any um, benefit off of the increases. Um, people who have a family income below 80% of the median in that city and households with children in poverty. So what are some of the things you can do? Know your neighbors. Um, we talked about this a bit on a previous slide, but when people come together and organize, um, you can you can come together and build connections to best decide what you need in your community. Um, if there is going to be, let's say, a new development, you can come together as a group and maybe send a letter from the neighborhood saying what it is you want or what you expect from the development. Uh, for example, um, a new park or investment in a new library, things like this. So that's what I mean by saving the public domains, all these public spaces, which in some countries, um, some places are being privatized. So the prices go up. So yes, there's a wonderful community center, but actually the prices are more for this um, higher income class too. Um, it's about protecting affordable housing as well. And when there's going to be newly, de um, newly developed housing, you need to demand that it includes some affordable housing. So um, some cities do this by saying, let's say 60% of the building will be market housing. So 
at the normal price and then maybe 40% of it will be at a lower rate and it will be managed as public government social housing. Um, we've talked a bit about before too, when buildings are in disrepair and it has a negative impact on the overall community. It's also somewhere where uh, criminal activity can occur. And so if you have a bank owned property, meaning that the owner failed to pay their mortgage and the bank now owns it and it's just sitting there, um, you have to find ways to make that building productive again. And finally, um, joining any sort of community organization, uh, your neighborhood council, attend meetings and confront the elected officials who are there to serve you, uh, the public servants, we call them in English. And so if they aren't serving the community, then it's up to the community to, um, to confront them. Excellent. Okay, so those are my points on gentrification today. Um, let me know in the chat if you have any other comments. Um, yeah, it's, as I said, it's something that we've probably seen a lot uh, around around the world. So it's it's here to stay. It's just about what we can do as an individual and community. Um, perfect. Okay, so that's it for the stream. Um, if you are interested in taking any live lessons on Chatterbug, I'm going to put a link in the chat. This is basically a 45-minute one-to-one conversation practice. Um, so if you're looking to improve your conversation skills, please book a lesson there. Um, there's usually little activities that we do. But if you're interested in exploring one of the topics in a stream further, we can also have kind of a more open conversation. So please check that out. And that's it for today. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.